Right now I'm uh, looking at my avatar, my character on the screen. She's a 21-year-old blonde girl with big old boobs, and she's currently in the flatbed, flat car of a uh, train that's zipping around the world and with the exception of bikini bottom she's not wearing anything else and that's the beauty about mods here's the thing that I love about um it's kinda of funny I mean I get a new computer yesterday and I've spent I mean I go through and of course I try Final Fantasy 15 out today and it's beautiful don't get me wrong and what's the other one I ended up trying to tried a couple of them. Hold on, I'll tell you real quick. So I did Assassin's Creed Syndicate last night. That one worked out pretty well. Um, right now I'm downloading Star Trek Online. I want to see how that looks at uh, the high, high graphical settings and everything too. And um, But uh, for the most part I've spent almost my entire day modding Grand Theft Auto V. And I'm just... The things I couldn't do with it before because I'd pushed the other machine to the to the edges of the envelope. I don't know. A couple years ago, about ten years ago, I was really getting sick and tired of working in development and programming at all. So I had pretty much removed myself from. I had, well, hell, it had been maybe 15 years ago that I started the exit away from development on a, on a full-time basis. I had been managing people off and on for the latter, yeah, I'd say, the first 10 years of my career was pretty much me and then me consulting and everything. But by the time 1997-98 hit, which was about 10 years into my career, at that point I transitioned over to be more management and at that point um, just kind of like 50-50 and uh, one of the things that um, I really had a difficult time with especially with my style of management which isn't isn't like most people's idea of concept of leadership and management it's not the type of thing that you see in office space or something like that the way I manage and the way I lead is different. Um, you don't know that I'm leading. You don't know that I'm managing. You don't know that I'm in charge. And most people flat out don't. You know, even the people that uh, may be um, managing me, that uh, on paper and everything, and may actually have the title, to some degree I'm, I'm actually managing them. Large degree, I should say. You know, I'll tell them what hours I'm going to come in. I'm going to tell them what uh, what work I'm going to be responsible for. You know, I'm going to tell them more or less, you know, pretty much everything that's going on with the team and who's going to be responsible for what at that point. And that's that was my style of management. So I didn't, I never liked being the one that uh, people were aware of of what was going on and everything. The one in the firing range, you could say. And it wasn't out of fear of being found out or something like that. It's just because I didn't want to have to deal with the petty um, petty office drama. That's one thing I just really didn't enjoy. I, I didn't 
you know, for me, it was just like, I'd rather have somebody that was more of a people-oriented person, somebody that was, you know, capable of handling that kind of stuff and everything in a way that, um, you know, just basically tried to balance out and make all the parties happy and everything. And for the most part, most companies that I ended up going to and organizations that I ended up contracting through by the NSA, they're perfectly happy with that kind of setup and everything, that kind of arrangement. You know, it let them put the, you know, put the customer orientation, you know, and that focus on, on the faces of those that are actually claiming to be in charge and everything and those that are actually really in charge. By and large, this is actually true for a lot of companies too. Those people that are actually in charge, they're not in charge. That's one of the funniest uh, misconceptions about corporate America. It's like watching TV. You know, when you watch a TV show about a guy that goes into work and everything, and that guy that goes into work, you know, on this TV show, he's the highest paid dude on the show, right? Well, you know, even the his his boss, per se, inside the TV show and everything, um, well, technically he may have the title of boss and manager, the simple fact of the matter is we're watching the show not for the boss. We're watching the show for the person. It's actually underneath, by name, underneath that boss. Well, real life kind of works the same way in, in many cases where those that are actually in charge, they're not really in charge. You know, they may have the title, but for the most part, they don't have the pay. That's one thing I've really found in common happening a lot you know, it's just, it, it's kind of, you know, kind of funny here in America where, you know, the president gets paid four hundred to $450,000 a year where, you know, CEOs are making $2 million plus a year. Well, if he's the leader, then why do you think he's being paid so much considerably less than those other people? It's because he's not the leader, folks. He's a figurehead. It's not the most powerful man in the world, too. That's another misconception. But, hey, I digress. Um, so, right now I'm playing this mod right now, or playing this, um, just playing in this world. And one thing I can't get over with GTA is how out-of-the-box dynamic it is. Now, I noticed this back with GTA 3 when it came out. You know, Grand Theft Auto, that's the whole... You know, GTA 1 and GTA 2, they weren't that good. Then all of a sudden, GTA 3 came out, and it's just like, what the fuck? They, they ended up taking the thing with Vice City, you know, and they, and they turned the thing into something that was really marvelous, you know, from an entertainment perspective. You know, they basically took Miami Vice, and they made it cool. I never got into Miami Vice, but when they put out Vice City, I actually had some deep respect for Miami Vice. You know, so that's that for me is what got it. But um, that's actually what got my got me into the whole Grand Theft Auto series to begin with. Is not only do they have a great storyline associated with it, but the world. My God, the attention to detail in the world. You know, you could watch pedestrians. You know, just stand by and on the side of a street and everything, and the pedestrians will be carrying on conversations with whoever it is that they're on the phone with. You know, I've got a mod here. It's a, basically, it's kind of like a God Mode mod where I can hit F1 on my keyboard. I can instantly 
fly anywhere I want to in the world. I shouldn't say instantly, but uh, I can zip around the world very fast. And I can stand right next to somebody, and they don't know I'm there, and I can listen to their conversations. You know, I can flit to the top of a building and hit F1 again, and boom, I turn into normal form. So it's basically, it's like material form and, and energy form, I guess you can say, if you want to analogize it to something in real life. It's maybe like a ghost form or something like that. You know, where the ghost form isn't bound by gravity. It's not bound by any... Uh, any clipping either, so I can go right through a wall. I can uh, float right above a uh, moving train and hit F1, and all of a sudden, I materialize on the on the train surface as it's moving and everything. And uh, I'm moving at the at the same speed the train is moving, so I don't fall or flip or anything like that. So right now, I'm just taking the train around the world. It's the first time I've ever done that in this game, and. Uh, one of the cool, one of the other mods I have is uh, something called a time scaler. So with this mod, I can alter time. So right now, time is moving at yeah, it's it's moving at a pretty fast rate. So it's 1:44 right now in the morning, 1:45, 1:46. So it's almost like let's say it's about two seconds. Yeah. Two seconds is equal to one minute. That's now active. Now, I can make time equivalent to my time. So one minute is equal to one minute. And I can say own rate, actually own rate of time. Nope. One minute is equal to one minute. And then set to system time. So it's now 22.41, and it's actually, the time is uh, synchronized to my clock. Remember on next game start. Now what I ended up doing was, I walked away from the game yesterday, and I let it sit on overnight. And it's my, my belief, as I've played these games and everything, um, that these are actual worlds. That uh, underneath me, in... I live in a kind of like an analog, an analog that consists of many, many, many digitals that link into it, that influence it, that um, can guide it, can even dictate it at times. You know, so if you're living in a constituent reality underneath mine, you can potentially, you know, influence my reality in such a way that uh, can quite literally dominate you know, my reality. And I, I suspect this is among the reasons I ended up uh, getting becoming homeless and having some of the problems that I've had and everything. So, underneath um, my reality, underneath the, the chemical structure, the biological structure of the chemicals, the chemical structure of the atoms, um, of all this stuff, you know, is basically the quantum world, um, also known as the digital world. And, uh, well, no, it's not. They're, they're not synonymous. The digital is a subset of the quantum. The quantum's kind of like the all-encompassing, all different possibilities, in my opinion. So, actually, I shouldn't say my opinion with that either. To me, it is the, the whole lot of all different possibilities. So, one particular subset is the digital. Now, with that digital, that uh, it 
can actually feed into my realities and alter and influence my realities in such profound ways with content that didn't originate here in my reality. So, what I'm saying is, um, maybe people didn't exist that created, or maybe peop maybe material that was created, for instance, Grand Theft Auto, didn't exist in my world until I saw it. And because of the profound effect that it had on me, um, my perception of video games and the perception of pedestrians and worlds and that kind of stuff, it became important. So as a result, it created ties into my world. It created the company called Rockstar Entertainment. It created all the people that went to go work for it. Um, it created um, whole industries that might try to mock it and mimic it and everything. So basically, my observation of this game and enjoyment of the world that I actually am immersed in right now and watching as this train goes around the world and everything, at that point, when I observed it, it created this this reality of it or this these artifacts these um, anchors in my world and those anchors came in the form of you know kind of like if you want to analogize it to a tree you know it's like my observation of something caused the growth of an entity in an organic way and that organic way literally created the company called rockstar entertainment which is a a personification that actually is representative of this game and everything in my reality. Now, the reason it happens is because of the effect that it's having on me and the influence that it's having on me, my reality and my mind doesn't want me to get out of control. That's no fun for me, you know, going insane and that kind of shit. So what happens is it tries to steer development by the collective mind that actually gets formed from Rockstar and tries to steer the development of this world in a very real sense towards something, you know, that uh, might be more amenable for me, might be more fun for me. And uh, as a result, what happens is it creates this, you know, this shift, this influence, this ripple, if you will, that in a literal sense alters and influences and shapes the development of this other world. And this is actually what I believe is what causes fragmentations in worlds. Because my world um, may be influenced by powerful influencers outside of my world in much the same way. You know, so let's say um, there's another being that Rockstar or this, this world, Grand Theft Auto, the world that I see is their world. This is their home. Now, all of a sudden, they have a powerful influencer, me, that's observing this world. And that at, at that point, let's say they want it to go in one direction. So there's a lot of violence in this world. And that, for me, isn't what, what the allure of this game is. You know, the allure of this game is the sexuality. The allure of this game is the interesting um, similarities, you know, to the geographical, ge geographical features of my world. The interesting thing to me is the ability to be able to program and reprogram pretty much everything that I want to in it. 
which may not be possible um, for this person within this world. So, in any case, it, it could, it may or may not be. But let's say there's such a divisive um, desire between my desires for what happens with this world versus whoever has this, you know, um, let's say owns this world. And let's say that becomes too conflictive. It gets to the point where all of a sudden, boom, this is actually what causes a separation in this world altogether. And that separation is more or less what you see when you have an atomic explosion. You know, so imagine one world, you know, and this is this is a fission reaction when an atom itself, and this is the equivalent of an atom, splits into two separate and more or less indiv indivisible pieces. At that point, you have two different worlds, and all of a sudden, you know, this is actually what creates a, you know, from one perspective, a nuclear explosion. And this for me is something I had to I had to really really understand what's going on with Einstein physics. How the fuck was that responsible for creating a nuclear bomb? Well, the answer is actually pretty simple. What you see in images is one way of looking at a nuclear explosion within a holographic world. But if you're actually not existing in that holographic world, in a digital world, you're actually existing in an analog, you may not even experience it in the same way. It's my, it's my belief that um, over in Japan, that those people that actually went through Hiroshima and Nagasaki may never have seen the same thing that, uh, that was seen through Western media and everything about the, the atomic explosions. You can currently walk on a walk through Hiroshima right now, and it said that it takes five thousand years for for the atomic decay to be able to make it so where somebody can actually walk through it, and yet it's only been sixty or seventy years. You know, so once you start asking those questions and you know looking at things like this, it's just like wait, I'm I'm receiving a lesson, and this lesson is take control of my own reality, you know, learn to play these games and not just play them, but learn to learn to find different ways to harness them, you know, to take to take them and to make them my own. You know, so that's actually why I'm embracing the whole mod community at this point, something I started about 10 years ago, wishing I had the time for. Magically, I found time for it, and now I'm taking this train around and going back to the primary city called Los Santos. It doesn't stop. This train doesn't stop. So that's one modification I'm going to have to put. In, I'd like to put in place is something that'll actually make it so where the train actually does have its stops and everything. But um, yeah. So when I hit F2, I can actually go one hour backwards, go one hour forwards. Um, so I can change in a literal sense the time of day. So I'm going to go change it to daytime right now. So it was currently, you know, 20 or 10.50 my time. And I just changed it to 6.51. So it's, it's nearly sunset right now. I'm going to change it to noon. And then here's one of the cooler things I can do with this too. I can also change the weather. 
So, if I hit F4 on my keyboard, that's another mod that I have. I have the choice between sunny, clear, clouds, smog, foggy, overcast, rain, thunder. Let's do thunder. So now all of a sudden I'm on the back of this train and I see lightning off in the distance. So there's neutral. Neutral's really weird. I think they screwed that one up. It's like green effects. Huh. Oh, weird. It's like a black hole sun. So the sky's all green. And the ground's green too. It's kind of bizarre looking. It's kind of cool. Yeah, so the clouds are all green. I'm highlighted green. Yeah, it's a black hole sun. Black hole sun, won't you come? So, um, go back to the weather again. I'm going to change it to snow. So now, I'm on the back of the train and it's snowing. Blizzard. It's icy out now. Snow light. So it's light and it's snowy out. And there's a helicopter up ahead and he's suddenly having a hard time flying in it. That's interesting. That's what I love about this, is they're so dynamic at times, you know, with how it adjusts things, and how it responds. Um, then you got Xmas, which it's a little bit overcast and a little bit white out. So it's like, yeah, white Christmas, clearing. And now I'm going to change it to extra sunny. Now what I like the most, though? The thunder. So, then I hit F1. I enter the god mode. And I'll start flying around. So now, I just started flying above the freeway. I'm tracing a motorcycle. So, a whole bunch of cars down below. I'm seeing the train pass overhead, the same train I was just on, and I'm going slightly faster than the train in my flight mode. Now I'm going to speed it up dramatically, I've got another keystroke, I'm going to change the weather back to clear so I can see better. Extra sunny, there we go, clear. Clear is the prettiest. So I'm back in Los Santos, and Los Santos is modeled much after uh, Los Angeles. So there's the the one lake, it's a popular lake, I can't remember what the name of it was. Down towards, it's got a little boat dock area, um, where you do the little paddle boats and everything. People walk around it, and it's right in the middle of like downtown LA area. In a surprising little place. It's a, not a big lake. It's, it's a tiny one. Anyways, I've got a, a model of that lake in, in here too. So it does basically the same thing. 
and I'm flying away from that. You know, one of the cool things is because of the rain, it actually leaves puddles all over the ground and everything. So that's one of the things I love about the dynamicness is just, and the puddles look realistic too. And I, I just, I, it's one of the things I love about this game is the, the overall realism. The puddles will slowly but surely dry up and, you know, leave like right now. They're already dry. It's that fast. No, it's not. It's still, still wet. Time does move at an accelerated rate when I uh, took it, you know, take it off of that, so. I'll give them that. But um, one of the things that, um, that I like doing is just basically hovering over like an intersection. I'm just watching traffic. like Not like a traffic, well I guess it, it is a little bit like a traffic cam. You know, I'm just watching all, all the different people and it's just like green light and People move and they make left turns at the green lights like they, sh like they do in the real world. Red light. There comes a point, as a programmer, where I think it just behooves you to start asking better questions. It's um, to make the assumption that it's all programmed in a binary, true-false way. Isn't isn't always a valid assumption. Now, I know they have things called quantum computing and all this other stuff, but if you pay attention to it, it has a, a difficult time actually leaning away from the whole binary mechanisms of a basically digital based, digitally based computing. For, you know, for the most part, the, the ideas and concepts, and me and my mom, we actually had a discussion about this today. Um, my ex-girlfriend, Kenna, she was, um, she was very literal in a lot of cases. So, she was India-Indian, and if, if I've ever met a, an ethnicity that's well-suited for binary computing and everything, it's certainly the Indians. And uh, part of the reason for it is just, um, A, they tend to be obedient, you know, to to such a degree that uh, that they'll do basically whatever they're told in the workplace. Um, but the whole thing is, they they also um, there's a a problem with this too. And there's a, yeah, there's a problem with basically anything, you know. But uh, that problem can also become something of a of a benefit as well. Now, can a you know, she would just basically, she in a lot of cases, she would be very literal, you know. So I would tell her something, and she would literally translate it, you know, and do it, you know, for herself and everything. And, uh, you know, so one time I told her my mom was a, a seamstress, and she could help her out, and my mom recanted, you know, how um, how that, uh, how Kenna approached her and said, you need to fix this, you know. It's just like knowing that my mom, that this is what my mom does and everything, she ended up going up to her. Well, I don't remember any of this, so whether or not it actually happened in my reality is a different story, but I do recall Kenna being pretty literal with a lot of things. So when, so when um, I, I had also similar issues with, um, with other Indians that I worked with in the workplace, too, where when I asked for something, in a lot of cases, 
Um, they did exactly what was asked for, but no more and no less. It was exact, ex I mean, it was just, if you're looking for somebody that does in, you know, to some fashion, exactly what's asked for, that's what they're good for. And this is about the time that I started noticing there's benefits with working with certain different types of people from different countries and everything based on what it is that you're actually trying to create for. Oh, here's a weird car. So this guy, he just drove around. Wow, that was weird. He drove around two cars that were stopped at a red light, bumped into the back one, and started going down the street. Then he made a U-turn, and now all of a sudden he's coming back to me. And I'm just floating above. This is really weird. It's interesting, too. I'm going to go see what he's doing. Huh. Um, so, like I said, this isn't a bad thing, you know, but uh, what I had realized was that I had started coming to understand that if you hire somebody that's Chinese, you're going to have things coded up based on Chinese values, based on Chinese perception, based on Chinese culture, based on um, Chinese methods and everything. And if you hire somebody that's India Indian, you know, it's the same thing. And those people that use their software will be influenced in a very, very, very subtle way that will slowly but surely shift their mindset over to that of the culture that actually created, um, spent the most, uh, spent probably the majority of the time developing it. So if you have a multicultural application, you know, in a general sense, that's what that's how companies try to avoid this this problem. A lot of companies are aware of it, particularly a company like Ubisoft. That's why they put the message on the games. You know, when they're creating the games, they send it out. This is developed by a culturally diverse team of people from around the world. You know, and that's why they advertise that. Just because they know the impact of the stuff that they're doing at the quantum and digital level is actually influencing the minds of those people that are actually using these programs, these games, and it, it's, in, a, in effect, programming, in a literal sense, those that are leveraging these things. Now, something like um, Taleo.net, um, there's a lot of different programs out there used for human resource functions as well, too. And that's among the reasons why I feel like I can't get a job in the uh, corporate world, because a lot of these may have been developed by people that are specific, specifically in um, industries that are exclusive or inclusive. Or, no, once more, exclusive. You know, so where they'll exclude anybody that's not a part of their community, which ends up happening. What ends up happening in a nasty way is it actually ends up shoving everybody out that's not a part of that community and including only those that do. So guess who are the first people to, that go? You know, I mean, and this happens in a very odd way. You know, so we're all of a sudden, boom, you know, you've got software that's being created by, by Indians, you know, in a very, very, very exclusive community. 
you know, community that's well known around the world for being, I mean, let's put it this way, they still do arranged marriages, the vast majority of them. They insist on, you know, having the same last name and everything, and, you know, the whole concept of, you know, not marrying other people outside of your your species or your race, your gender ethnicity, is is completely frowned upon by the community. Well, you let these you know, you let them in, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, you know, but I'm saying that those that are actually managing them have to understand what's going on, you know, that the software that's being created and everything may put demands on the, the management to hire more people and because of the mechanisms that are being used and everything um, happen in such a subversive quantum way this actually causes an influx of people that are going to be hired an increased demand on people that can actually maintain the things that are being done which ultimately this is this is why you've seen an increase in in hiring of foreigners particularly indians within a within technical corporations. Well, it's not a conspiracy. You know, it's not done intentionally. At least I don't think it is. I think it's just done accidentally. You know, where basically Indians are completely dominating companies. They're ostracizing, um, you know, locals in the countries that they go to. And they're absolutely annihilating the competition and all they're doing is just simply being obedient. It's hard. It's really hard. You know, and like I said, I'm not saying what they're doing is wrong. I'm just saying that their um, community-based approach, you know, to their culture and their exclusiveness is actually what's causing the problem. And most companies don't understand that, and as a result, you see somebody like me that'll get shoved out, shoved off to the side and everything, you know, that um, can't find a job to save my life, and perhaps I don't really want to either, because I like the idea of looking at things like this and saying, hey, what can I do from an artificial intelligence perspective, studying this thing, and making changes, you know, <laughs> why... Why does that truck just bump into that guy? You know, what's going on with this? I mean, there's more to this AI than meets the eye. That's what I'm saying. You know, people follow the rules in a general sense in this game, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, somebody decides that they're going to go all the way around somebody, hit somebody in the ass or something like that. It's just like, what the hell's going on? Another guy decides he's not going to make a left turn at the last minute, and boom, he, he swerves back, and he, you know, this is in an intersection, mind you. He decides he's going to swerve back in and into the lane, almost hitting the other car and everything. This is almost too, too um, you know, too, too real. That's what I'm saying. So, anyways, um... As far as the mods go, though, I mean, I, I guess you can say this is just a part of my hacking nature. Is I have enjoyed making changes at a fundamental level. And I like to imagine that uh, the changes that I'm making to this are teaching me about how I'll be able to interact with my own world and everything. Maybe one day I'll, I'll find a car down in downtown Portland, drive it here automatically, and 
and out I'll drive and I'll just be able to have fun for the day and everything, then I don't know, drop the car off somewhere else afterwards and when I'm done with it. You know, for me, when the car's recovered, you know, by the person, so ultimately, you know, it's not necessarily stolen. It's just put it in different well, it is stolen, but technically, but technically it's not because I'm putting it putting it back someplace afterwards. Maybe I could put a different program in and it'll take it right back to where it was before. That could be kind of funny, where they go back to that spot a little while later, and all of a sudden the car's right there where it was before. Hey, wait a second. That could actually be really fun. You know, it's just to make it appear. I don't know, maybe too many people would be questioning their sanity if I did that. But, um, I don't know. I, I just, um, I like the idea of dabbling with this thing. You know, so I've gotten the .NET stuff all up, all, all ongoing, and everything, and I'm preparing for modifications. I'm just installing a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of ones. Like I went through and installed as many naked ones as I possibly could, and everything. And you know, my goal is to basically see um, can I shape behavior in this without actually coding it? Can I do it in a dynamic, a quantum-based way? You know, so I'm assuming that the vast majority of behavior in this is programmed. But if if I actually put enough stimulus inside this this world, is can that actually influence those that are living inside this world? You know, so can it influence people, the things that are living inside this world? to make different decisions, you know, to make a left when they might have turned right, to see some of the things that I actually, you know, put up and everything. You know, are am I going to see a, an increase in traffic in certain areas or something like that because of things I might might mess with and everything. You know, I'm I'm really curious. You know, is how much of this is programmed? You know, and how much like that guy may want to make a left and all of a sudden making a right, you know, is just, you know, flat out a not a part of programming. He's just basically running on, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just observing a world and all I'm doing is just getting a feed. And my interpretation of that world is the binary code that I'm actually manipulating and... So what I ended up doing last night was I left it on overnight, and uh, I just basically I put the uh, I put one of the main guys in a boat, and I just let the boat sit there. I let the weather and yeah, there's another guy. He's doing U-turns right in the middle of the street. He just flipped a weird bitch. That was weird. That's cool. So. And I say it's cool just because it's just something called emergent behavior. I don't think a, all AI is programmed in a binary way. And I think emergent behavior is behavior that overrides binary programming. You know, the programming that uh, that you might receive as a, 
you know, that tells you to go this direction, but then all of a sudden you've got enough stimulus coming from so many different directions that ultimately you make a decision that basically overrides that stimulus. And that's that's what's what I'm referring to as emergent behavior. It's in a literal sense overriding the binary laws and rules that that govern you and, and may govern society as well. So I'm gonna go someplace that's actually I'm going to go to Sunset. So they've got a, a, a strip that's equivalent to Sunset. Now I'm going to be converting this all as much as I possibly can. I had it, a lot of it converted on my old machine, but I'm going to be going through and systematically making changes on this one and keeping good tabs on everything I'm making changes on to see what's going on. Like I went through and I changed a whole bunch of the... Uh, Billboards. I actually got into got made made some of my own custom billboards. There's an in and out. I, I ended up putting in here. And let's go. On a different note, I've got a problem with my right ear. I don't know what's going on with it. I can't hear out of it at all. So I've had a problem, you know, an ear infection of some kind that's going on. Now I can't freaking hear at all. So. Okay, let's, there's a little, where's that little coffee shop? Now I know, theoretically I should be showing all this, but um, what if you're like me? Deaf, but not just in one ear, but in both ears. What if I'm feeding you this information? You're just basically getting, getting it the same way that... Uh, that one of my ears is and, and not having any vision with it. What if you see the world in completely different ways? What if this AI stuff, all data-driven stuff, and eh, this intersection doesn't have jack shit going on. So I'm going all the way down. You know what? I'm gonna go to the theater. They've got a theater. It's uh, the Man's Chinese Theater um, in. Uh, Los Angeles, and they've got the equivalent in this thing. And it's always got a lot of people there, too. And we've got a place that looks like Ripley's here, too. Okay, so right now I'm standing, I'm looking down at the theater. And I'm just hovering right above it. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to leave it on overnight at this location. I don't think, I mean, I have no idea what to expect by any of these things I'm doing. I'm just trying shit out. You know, it's just like, does leaving my computer on alter the landscape at all? Um, I, You know, it's just like I said. I have no clue what to expect by the things I'm trying. Let's try things out. You know, hey, does this do anything? It's kind of like, you ever see a red button that says don't push this? And you still, because there doesn't seem to be anything attached to it or anything like that, you just want to push it. Well, this is a little bit different. It's similar, but it's different. It's just like, okay. 
There's absolutely no buttons here. There's nothing saying don't do this. There's nothing saying do this. But does it do anything if I do something like this? If I just leave my character in God mode right in front of the theater, demands Chinese theater look-alike. Uh, let's make sure time's going at a normal pace, which it's not. Reset to normal. And let's set the weather to dynamic, which it is. Let's set it to rain for right now, and it'll change later. So, let's say I leave it on like this overnight. Does it do anything? I think this is like the real nature of reality. Testing without, ex without a, an expected outcome. Just trying something without an expected outcome. Sometimes that results in things. Not always good, not always bad, but just different. So, anyways, um, God mode. It's kind of fun. It's my preference. And that's a cool thing about doing these mods. I feel like I'm God to this world makes me wonder is it being overseeing me looking over my shoulder saying finally he fucking gets it we're all watching each other <laughs> anyways if that's you thank you for listening